Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash ectoplasm. There are over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Thanks a lot, Audible. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ectoplasm Show. I am Josh Hurd, and joining me is my partner in crime, Mr. Jason Koopsik. What's up, brother? Well, I had the whole little King of the Hill thing there, but I think I'm going to cut that. So <laughs> I'll just have a drink of my beer. Just keep sipping on the beer, buddy. That's hey, what we support do. Support local. Boulevard Brewing. Maybe they'll send us some free stuff. That'd be nice, man. We should just give them a call and be like, hey. We drink enough of of your beer. Maybe you should just sponsor the show. <laughs> Absolutely, that would be amazing. So hell yeah! What is uh, what is new that, in, in your world, my friend? I'm actually going to be on a friend of ours radio show, the Spurrier Radio Show, either next weekend or the week after that. Well, that'll be very very cool. Not sure what we're talking about yet, but. You just asked me. Stuff and things? You're going to be talking about stuff and things. Probably, yeah. <laughs> It'll be a good time, though. It's always a fun time on his show. Always a good time. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Now, I tell you what, man. We got another email. Uh, we got another email from our pal Richie, Richie Nair, who uh, he actually emailed us before. Um, and he just says, hey, guys, it's Richie again. I'm sure you're getting tired of hearing from me, but... Um, what about a show on the Georgia Guidestones? I know not much is known about them, but maybe you guys could shine a little light on the subject. Um, and can't wait to see what you think about this topic. But yeah, I think, you know, Richie, I think that is a freaking awesome idea. And uh, Jason and I were actually talking about this just before the show started. And we will definitely be doing that uh, this month. So... Definitely, uh, definitely keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff about those stones. A lot of uh, yeah, it's true that they don't know who built them, but there is a lot of known things about them. Yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to uh, to doing that show. I think it'll be a lot of fun. So should be good. Oh my god! They do know the name of the guy that built them. I won't get into it too detailed here, but they do know the name of the guy that built them. They just don't know why. Really? Mm. They just have no idea why. A fun little fact, a little teaser fact, is that they actually have cameras on it. The sheriff's department has cameras on the stones to watch to make sure people don't damage them. Oh, that is cool, though. That is very, very cool. I had no idea about that either. But that's awesome. Oh my goodness! So, what the hell? Um, I, you know, looking at today's you know subject matter or whatever. Yeah, I've I've never been too big into this stuff. Into um, you know, cryptozoology is just kind of what I throw it under. Cryptozoology, weird shit, like weird creatures. It is basically the bottom line of this. Um. But, man, yeah, I, was, it, I was doing some digging, man, and I found some really, really weird things. Really yeah, weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's some crazy stuff. And the actual, I don't I don't know if cryptozoology is technically in, like, the Webster's Dictionary or whatever. But the definition so. of it is either unknown creatures that we haven't classified yet or extinct creatures that may they'll be around like the coelacanth was a cryptid until they found one correct however many years ago it, it was just i you know, i i am really starting to like get into this though more and more the more and more i read today it was kind of crazy because i couldn't stop reading 
Like, the more and more I was looking into this, because some of these things I had never heard of, obviously. Now, obviously, we all know some of the more, you know, quote-unquote, big-name whatever. You know, you have, like, the Loch Ness Monster, the Yeti, Sasquatch, you know, whatever. You have all of these things that we know, you know, chupacabras and things of that nature. You know, we've all... Jersey Devil. The Jersey Devil, exactly. And, like, Mothman, things of that nature. But we all have heard those stories for the most part. So I was really trying to dig into things that, uh, you know, me personally, I haven't even heard of. So I, I found some pretty interesting things. And now I know you, you actually have some literature on the subject, correct? I have uh, quite a few books on it. I mean, I have a large bookshelf just full of paranormal books. Sure. Um, I grabbed one that I pulled a few stories out of, but I, I want you to go first with one that you found. Well, I tell you what, I, I did. I did find this one really cool one, uh, and the reason I found it interesting is because. As I was reading it, I was um, noticing noticing similarities into a story that I've already heard before. Um, now, this is actually of a creature that is known as the Mandragon. Have you heard of the Mandragon? I've heard of that concept. I don't okay. know if I've necessarily heard it called that. I think there's other names and stuff for it. But Well, we're talking back in uh, 1926 here. I'm just going to read this here. It says, The events surrounding the appearance of a shadowy, winged figure, later dubbed the Mandragon, began in 1926 near the Zion Tay Dam in southeastern uh, foothills of China. So, almost overnight, sightings of this large, winged black figure, uh, the Mandragon, began to spread around the small farming communities located beneath the Zionte Dam. Now, I sense hints of Mothman. This is exactly, so far, right? That's exactly where my mind went as well. Now, it says, the creature reportedly was seen hovering above the dam and obviously, you know, frightened several people who, who saw it. So, on the afternoon of January 19th of 1926, during the height of the Mandragon sightings, the uh, Zion Tay Dam suffered a massive structural failure and then collapsed, sending over 40 billion gallons of water crashing into the farming villages below. Now, if you can imagine, I mean, it's terrible, but... We're talking uh, the death toll was estimated to be around 15,000 people. Um, Now, although most records and reports of the disaster were destroyed uh, by the ruling, you know, Communist Party, uh, many of the survivors of this horrible disaster did confirm that this mandragon not only showed itself above the dam, but it also to many of the people that you know lost their lives now it's so weird though because i was reading this and i'm like huh you know it's like uh the blackbird of of chernobyl and um you know the mothman like uh, what happened in west virginia it's like this big black winged creature shows up you know just days before something horrific happens and so I, I found that interesting because I'm like, is it the same damn thing, just a different name? Is that possible? Which, obviously, it's possible. I only think it's possible. So, but it, it was interesting though. I so yeah, that was the uh, that was the first one that I uh, that I came across was the man dragon. Okay. Well, I mean, I just looked something up. Um, yeah. I was looking it up because I wasn't actually quite sure. I know quite a bit about Mothman, and of course I've seen the movie. And oh yeah, I, I love the movie. The movie. Just fictionalization, but um, I was interest. I was interested as in if that Indrid Cold was an actual name. No, apparently, and, apparently Indrid Cold, that name itself has been used over and over and over and over and over. Well, yeah, I just typed it into Google, 
I just thought we don't need to get into Indrid Cold very much here, but I typed it in and now Google has this thing where it pops up part of the article of the most one, whatever. Oh, cool. It says Indrid Cold, commonly known as the Grinning Man, is a purported humanoid entity. His name comes from his tendency to smile at those who encounter him. What? They have some weird pictures. No, so we should that's talk weird about because that, that is a strange, that is a big freaking phenomenon out there too. The grinning the man, man. Yeah. or the smiling man. And for that then, and that name Indrid Cold to be referenced also with the moth man. I had never heard that before, man. That is insane. Well, I don't know if um, it's going to take some digging and we'll do that show in the future. But I'm curious as to if Hollywood just threw that name in there. Possibly. Or if there actually was ties to that Mothman thing. Wow. Yeah, I had no freaking idea about that whatsoever. That is impressive. Let's get into one that I found. Yeah, hit me, man. How about the Mongolian death worms? Ooh. The death worms. Have you heard of that one? No, I have not. Okay, so the Mongolian death worms are from the Gobi Desert, hence their name. Okay. And they were actually first mentioned in 1926 by a professor named Roy Chapman Andrews in a book called On the Trail of Ancient Man. Nice. Where he went, o- he went over there and talked to some Mongolian nomadic tribesmen. They called it Alegui or Algo something in their language (laughs) (laughs) which means intestine worm or blood filled intestine oh my god it's supposed to be two to five feet long two to five feet yeah shit blood red and uh but they also claim that it can change colors it has no eyes no nose no mouth it has spiked projections at both ends. Some claim it moves sideways across the desert and it can spit toxic acid-like substance for defense. So it's like and there's, adding you know, insult to injury. It's going to spit on you at the same time. But there's one other thing that um, a few of them claimed that it can discharge a lethal jolt of electricity from many feet away. Wow, man. Okay, so the Mongolian death worms mean business. Now, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, is there physical evidence of these existing? Not, Not of this particular one. There are a few other ones around the world that are large worms. Not quite that long. Right. But they're large worms, but they're all in wet climates where this one is in a desert. Damn. So I have... It's like tremors. Yeah, tremors. <laughs> um, I have a highlighted story, witness story here that I'll read real quick. Yeah. A currently... Or a witness currently working as an interpreter for an exploration team remembered an, in- an incident from his childhood... When a visiting geologist was killed instantly by a huge fat worm that emerged from the ground, a native ranger tells a story from the 1960s of an entire herd of by a worm lying below the surface of the desert. The locals tell the stories of a worm hiding in a yellow toy box and killing a little boy instantly when he reached inside. Then it killed the ch- children's parents. Of the child's parents when they tried the exact exact revenge it says it says there's another tale of two friends riding on horseback one fellow and his horse both suddenly fell down dead and the other fellow saw a big fat worm slowly crawling away wow wow dude oh my gosh man no thanks like, worms are fucking nasty anyway. And I'm talking about, like, the yeah. two to three inchers, you know? They're nasty anyway. But, oh, my God. Like, we're talking a worm. It's disgusting, yeah. We're talking, like, a five-foot worm here. That's ridiculous. That can spit acid. Cause there's and actually, shock you. 
<laughs> in one of the known worms, I, I don't remember where it is, but there is a known worm that's a large worm in a, a tropical region that can actually spit a substance, but it's not acidic. Oh. So that is found in nature. It is found in nature for a large worm to be able to spit things. Okay, that is insane. But yeah, it's out now. This was back in you said 1926. Is that correct? 1926 is when the first person wrote about it. But these stories were from 55 to the 60s and 70s. Oh wait, no, I was looking at the wrong one. Sorry, it's from the 1960s. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. When okay. They, Apparently killed the camels, and the other stories are around the mid 1900s or mid 19th, or 20th century. That is insane. You know, ugh, that kind of grosses me out a little bit. Just thinking about the uh, the worms. I don't know, especially big mammajamas like that. Like I don't even. Ugh, yeah. Screw that. So, <laughs> I have one about. Um, Naked women. <laughs> naked? What? Flying. Oh, you kind of broke up there, so. Flying naked women. Flying naked women. That's right. So, um, this is actually the, the Jap, or excuse me, God bless it. Okay, the Vietnamese the night Jap? flyers. No, the Vietnamese night flyers. That's what they're called. Um, okay. So, uh there is absolutely, this is what kills me about this, okay? There's there's no physical evidence to support this. However, we do have the, the, the word or the claims of three United States Marines. Now, this is back in 1969, okay? Um, so, let's see here. Uh, to date, there's only been one known sighting of the creatures which became known as the Vietnamese night flyers. Now, according to this one and only documented encounter, a group of three Marines in 1969 uh, were on guard duty near Da Nang, South Vietnam. And they sighted a group of creatures the likes of which they had never seen before. The three Marines claimed that they had seen three unclothed hair-covered feminine figures, all of which were approximately five feet tall. They flew over their post in the dead of night. Um, They further claimed that they could hear the leathery flapping of their membranous black wings as the fur-covered female figures soared above. I mean, can you imagine... Now, this kind of... I mean, you've had an encounter similar to this, except it was more... I mean, the dude... I say dude because he was wearing, like, guy clothing. But yeah. it was, like, flying over your car, basically. This is, like, three oh, yeah. hair-covered, naked ladies flying around, and they could hear the wings flapping. You know? That's that's scary shit right there. <laughs> where, where was this? Again? This was in South Vietnam. Okay, is where uh, well, yeah, I mean, these three Marines encountered this. As far as flying humanoids go, the the runs the gamut in descriptions. So exactly, and it it does sound again a lot like a lot, kind of like Mothman. It also makes me think of that witch that we when we talked about flying humanoids in Mexico, like she was clothed, but yes. And it also, like, for some reason, popped into my head, like, the the sirens from, like, ancient tales that would call in. From, like, the Iliad? Men. In the Odyssey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That does kind of... they weren't hairy in the stories. That no, I, I think remember. they were really hot, is what I... If yeah. I remember correctly. I think they were hot. Well, who knows? Maybe that was hot, then. Being all hair-covered in the 60s? Shit, maybe. Well, I don't no. know. I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I have no idea. This crazy, crazy stuff, though. But I, yeah, I found that interesting as hell, too. Um, yeah, like, it seems like a lot of these, um, a lot of these stories can, now, shit, except for the worms, 
you know, like they seem like they can kind of correlate with another story or another cryptid. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's many different classifications and types and sure and all kinds of different things when it comes to cryptid cryptids. But I actually have another one that's kind of different from the rest of them. Oh, cool. Called the Infield Horror. Have you ever heard of this? This isn't too far from us. No. It's from Enfield, Illinois. Okay. And the Enfield Horror was Don't scare for me for lack much. of a better term, a giant kangaroo. The fuck? What? Like seriously? Like a kangaroo? Yeah. In 1973, a kangaroo-type creature made its appearance in the Midwest, and I actually have a bunch of eyewitness accounts. Whoa. All right. All right, so I'll read through them here. They're from a couple different people, but close to, like, they were in secession. Okay. On a late April night, night... In 1973, Mr. and Mrs. Henry McDaniel of Enfield, Illinois, returned home to find their children, Henry and Lil, excited and frightened because something had been scratching at the door trying to get into the house. Later that night, the beast returned, and Henry was ready for it, armed with a pistol. A badass kid. Right? Oh, wait, his father's name is Henry, too, so... Oh, okay. (laughs) When Henry opened the door, he couldn't believe what he was seeing. He described the creature as having a grayish color about five feet tall, which doesn't really sound like a giant, but about five feet tall with a short trunk, three legs, two short little arms extended out of his chest, and two huge pink eyes. Pink eyes? McDaniel shot at the creature several times, certain he had hit it at least once, but it bounded away, hissing like a wildcat in leaps that cleared 50 to 75 feet each. It disappeared along some railroad tracks. State troopers called to the McDaniel place found tracks like those of a dog, except for they had six toe pads. The investigators also learned that a child playing in his yard behind the McDaniel home had been mildly attacked by the creature who stepped on the boy's foot, destroying his tennis shoes. As the McDaniels talked about their experience with others, curiosity seekers descended on the small community, angering the sheriff. He jailed several of the monster hunters. He threw them in jail? reported that they had also seen and fired upon them. Wow. A few days later, Henry McDaniel was awakened by howling dogs in the very early morning hours and saw the creature near the railroad tracks close to his house again. The beast was just walking calmly along the tracks, but that's not the end of the story. Oh, my God. Somebody else sees this thing again. So for months, they were hearing the screams of this thing coming from the woods. And it killed a dog, and the townspeople tried to track it, but the ability of the beast to jump so far enabled its rapid escape. Oh, so they didn't... Oh, they they had people sight it quite a while after that, but they never caught it. Wow. Because it's saying, like, it could jump, like, 50 feet at a time. Well, yeah, it was really hard to track, because to go from one print to the next... Right. I just have to guess which direction it's going in. Okay, that is crazy right. shit, man. Now, what year was so this I guess in? the name... That was 1973, and I guess shit. the kangaroo name just comes from the way it's able to jump. Okay. Not necessarily from the physical features of it. Right. Dude, okay. I have never heard that so this story. This very recent, actually. Yeah, it really is. Like, in comparison... I mean, it's not that long ago. Oh, my God. Like, okay, I'm thinking about this now. Do people still, like, go after this thing and, like, try to, uh, try to, like, track it, basically? Well, the extent of what What I have here, as far as, there's, my stuff that I have starts going into other kangaroo sightings around the country, which would probably just be let loose 
pet an- pets and zoo animals and stuff. But right, basically, I wouldn't be surprised if other people try to go look for it. I mean, that's kind of what we do. So. Well, yeah, absolutely. But oh my gosh, man, I wonder how many people have actually number one heard of this, number two actually gone after it in you know within the last like decade or so. I would say. Like how many people have done that? I wonder. That's interesting stuff. I'm gonna. Uh, I want to do a little more research on that. Maybe uh, take a road trip or something. <laughs> like, well, there's all kinds of creatures and animals and stuff that show up once and terrorize, quote, terrorize a town for a few days or a month or so, and then just disappear. And uh, the same thing isn't cited anywhere else. Like, right. so I mean, it kind of lends to the possibility of alien. Yeah, I was... Okay, I was going to bring that up. And I'm like, could it possibly be something extraterrestrial? Well, absolutely. And I mean, my next one is classic alien features in it. Okay. Called the Dover Dover Demon. Have you ever heard of the Dover Demon? I've never heard of the Dover Demon either. Uh Uh-uh. All right, so have you ever heard of a man named Lauren Coleman? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. He's a noted noted cryptozoologist. Okay. He was the one that actually coined the term for this. And this is even more recent than the infield horror. This was in spring of 77. Wow. And there was sighting of a hairless, rough, flesh-toned skin creature with orange eyes like glass marbles that had an abnormally large head and to me, like I've I've studied this one a little bit. The descriptions of it always sound to me like a small gray alien. Okay. Because it has big eyes, you know, slit for a mouth, not very much facial features. And every drawing I've ever seen just looks like a little alien. Sure. So I actually have the reports of when it was sighted too. This was another one that it just showed up was around for a little while people were seeing it and then it disappeared it's interesting so yeah on April of night April 21st of 1973 three teenagers were driving north on Farm Street a road surrounded by woods and fields in the Dover area the driver Bill Bartlett saw a bizarre unearthly looking creature close to four foot tall crawling along a stone wall. Bartlett described it as looking like a baby with long arms and legs. He went on to add that its head was the size of its body and was melon shaped. What freaked him out most was that the creature turned his head to look at him as he drove by. Bartlett's companion saw a friend was very upset and stopped the car and reported or he told them what they saw. They convinced him to drive back as they could try to get a look at it, but it disappeared. And he's actually made drawings of this. This is one of the more well-known of the lesser-known <laughs> cryptids. I t- it does, though. Like, the description itself, it does sound like the stereotypical gray alien. Like, it's just... Damn, man. Well, I have one more part to read in this. It's a little bit longer. No, that's fine. But it's... um, It was that night, actually. Somebody else saw it after midnight. The same night? The same thing. Same area. Okay. A guy named... A kid named John Baxter, a teenager. He was walking home from his girlfriend's house on what's Miller High Road. And I'm not... I'm sure these are real street names. Most no, likely, sure, you know, in Dover, and I'm sure they're close together. When he saw a small bipedal creature with a large head walking toward him, not feeling any fright initially, John called to him, thinking it was another kid he knew who had suffered from a deformed head since childhood. There was no reply, but John and the small creature continued to walk toward each other. Finally, the two were when they were about 20 feet apart. They both stopped and stared at each other. Then the Dover demon ran very rapidly into the woods at the side of the road. Baxter says he followed the creature 
for a while up the hills and through the ravines, he stopped near a creek and he could see the creature above him on a hill perched on a rock. And Baxter could just barely discern the feet or whatever, holding on to the rock, sort of molding to the shape of the rock. Wow. The creature continued to stare at Baxter, making him feel very so he backed out and left the area. <laughs> but I mean, we talk about running after creatures, but this guy actually like ran out in the woods after this creature, this kid. Right. Yeah, literally ran after it. Well, and this isn't the last one. There's another one, and this one's short, but it's two more teenagers. And unless these teenagers are just making this stuff up, but Abby and Will reported a similar creature by the side of Springdale Avenue, but they described it as having glowing green eyes and being the size of a goat. Oh, that wow. That was the last sighting of the Dover Demon. Wow. That is, oh my gosh, man. That's kind of freaky. That's kind of a scary one. The Dover Demon is considered, according to the New York Times, as one of the top ten most creatures of modern times. Really? And that was according to the New York Times? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's what it says here. Nice. Wow. Dude, I tell you, that's kind of freaky, though. That's weird. Um, It's a weird story. Like you said, it does kind of sound alien in nature. Uh, yeah, like you... E.T. almost. I mean, exactly. I don't know when E.T. came out, but that sounds a lot like E.T. Do you know when E.T. came out? Oh, God. I, I think okay. it was till the 80s. I, think I thought it was, it was probably after this. I thought story. it was like 81, wasn't it? I have no I idea. I have no idea. You just, you just... We were both born in 82, right? No, I was born in 81. But still, you wouldn't have seen E.T. <laughs> you know, I grew up, though, on E.T. I remember that. When did E.T. come out? I'm literally Googling it right now. June 11th, 1982. Ah, so just after I was born, just after they were talking about me. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because... Uh, we just okay so I have uh, two daughters here at home and my um, my first daughter you know she's uh, almost god she'll be seven years old next month that kind of freaks me out but okay the the second one here oh, try having teenager. my daughter's gonna no. be 13 in five months I don't want to talk about even or even think about having a teenager at <laughs> all especially when I have daughters I don't want to think about it but our uh, our youngest, who is, uh, I mean, she is only, you know, fourteen, fifteen months old or whatever. Um, her name. You're being stalked. I know. My brother's standing here. You want to say hi? Some you want to say hi to everybody? Guy. Just say hi. Hi everybody. <laughs> hi, hey <everybody>. James. <laughs> Just gonna have, have his freaking cameo, man. <laughs> <laughs> But no, our our youngest daughter, her name is Elliot. You know, we wanted a more uh, non-traditional type name for a girl, and so we called her. Are you a fan of Scrubs? You know, I've I've seen Scrubs, and I didn't realize. Okay, I let me rephrase. I didn't watch Scrubs until after we had already had our our second child. So no, um, I didn't even realize. But now I do know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, so we called her Elliot. And then her middle name is named after my mother, who is Tamara. So Elliot Tamara, and her initials would then be E.T. Um, And the main protagonist, obviously, in E.T. is Elliot. So it's just weird how all that that happened. So, yeah. Don't lie. You wanted a little kid. You could call extraterrestrial or E.T. She's definitely hey, not uh, not of know, this world. Your, your friend Connor Hopkins on yes. Facebook yesterday, or maybe it was earlier today, posted that he wants somebody to give him an extraterrestrial. You know, I and know why. I, I know why. <laughs> what did you say on there? I actually found an image of an alien sex doll with three tits. 
and I posted it on there because like, they sell. Them. Oh my god, that's funny! Like he he legit wants a like a five foot tall, six foot tall, whatever like alien, and I know what he wants to do with it, and I, I don't, I can't say. Sexual? No, it's nothing. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like sexual, but that's hilarious. Um, but like. I know what he wants to do with it, and it's a freaking hilarious idea. And so I hope, I hope for his sake and for all of our sakes, honestly, that he gets this, uh, that he gets this alien doll or whatever. <laughs> so that's a good. Is he stuff. gonna shoot a, a grainy video of him giving it an autopsy? No, you know that was one thing that I, um, we, you know, we want to do this show. We, and we're we're currently working on the show or whatever, and it's kind of uh, it's going to be a work in progress. But it's uh, what were we going to talk about? We we're going to talk about hoaxes, right? Yeah, that's so, what we were going to do today, right? And it was more more of the popular hoaxes out there and things of that nature that all turned out to be you know complete bullshit. But people lost their minds over that stuff. Uh, and well, that was one of the that, first ones that I came. Across. I wanted to do a little research into it because even the ones, some of the ones that you mentioned, right. they aren't proven wrong. So because they keep on going. These lists as hoaxes, but they can't be proven as te- technically being a hoax. Right. They can neither so, be proven nor disproven. That's what's tough about it. So, but like I said, it's a work in progress. So, <laughs> I'm interested. Oh yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a good show once once it actually comes out and we do it. So now, did you uh, did you find any more? Well, what about you? You got any one well, other ones? I do have one more, but um, I found this one here. I'll- but again, this seems more like it was. Uh, this is from Canada, by the way. It's called Old Yellow Top. Have you heard of Old Yellow Top? I have heard that name, but I can't. You know, I've read so much just, about this stuff. The yeah. names kind of get mixed together on a lot of them. Well, and I could, I can totally see why, though, because like, let me just, let me just read through this, okay? Um, Old Yellowtop is the name that was given to a Sasquatch-like creature, reported to. Um, let's see, it was around Cobalt, Ontario, Canada. So, originally named Yellowtop, the creature matched the physical appearance of a Sasquatch with the exception of a patch of blonde hair on the top of its head. Oh, yes. So, the creature eventually became known as Old Yellowtop after World War II due to the apparent age of the beast, which was sighted over a 64-year period, which began in 1906. Now, as far as evidence, obviously, we're talking about a Bigfoot slash Sasquatch type creature. There is no physical evidence. It's just weird. Like, the sightings in 1906, a group of men uh, building the framework of the Violet Mine uh, spotted Old Yellowtop. In 1923, then, two prospectors saw a large creature uh, picking blueberries. Interesting, though. With the blueberry thing, I remember we talked about that. Um, that they were yeah. origi- originally thought was they thought it was a damn bear, but they described the creature as being, uh, you know, covered in black hair, with the exception of the obviously the blonde hair on top. Now, in 1947, um, a woman and her child reported seeing the creature walking towards uh, a lake in Ontario, and, and again, then in 1970, a bus transporting 27 miners to their work site almost hit Old Yellowtop as it crossed the road. The driver of the bus saw the creature in the middle of the road at first thinking it was a bear. Uh, The driver was obviously forced to swerve to avoid a fatal collision with the creature. Reports indicate that the driver, who was not a believer in Old Yellowtop's story, stated that the creature walked on two legs, was covered in dark black hair, with the exception of the blonde piece on top, uh, so interesting stuff there. I know exactly there. what this is. What is it? I know exactly what this is. So, <laughs> I actually did a Bigfoot 
segment on the radio show that I do. Yes. For everybody out there listening, I do a Friday night paranormal paranormal Fridays segment on a local radio station. Um, so we did Bigfoot once because why not? But I had sent him a list of different Bigfoot crazy weird Bigfoot theories and one of them <laughs> actually pertains to this. Oh cool, man. I can tell you right now that this Bigfoot probably is a really flamboyant gay Bigfoot. (laughs) He just wanted to be different. He just wanted to be different. He wanted to have a flare in his hair because in the story, in this list, the same guy I mentioned earlier that investigated the Dover Demon, Lauren Coleman, I'm pretty sure it's him, quipped on some show one time that... (laughs) Oh, he wouldn't be surprised if there are gay Bigfoot out there. Because why wouldn't there be? I mean, there's other gay animals. So that kind of spiraled into all of this other stuff. And that's probably the explanation for old Yellowtop. You know, in all honesty. He wanted that flair. In all honesty, man. Like, I can't say you're wrong. I cannot cannot say you're wrong. I think that is... It probably like, that found is... the die in the back of like a Walgreens dumpster or something. <laughs> oh, that's good shit. <laughs> oh my god, he just keeps going over to uh, Walgreens or Walmart or whatever and just keeps <laughs> yeah. swapping. I just shit. want the tips this time, just guys. Just the tips, just the tips. It's all good. Just a all little right, frost. So I'll close this out with one that actually. It's a lot like a story that I told you in one of my In the Dark shows. Oh, man. Damn it. that I told to you. Why, what are you doing to me, man? Why are you going to do this now? Oh. Because it's uh, no, you're gonna the perfect fuck, time to do it. You're going to fucking scare me. That's what you're going to do. Now, these guys, this happened in Kentucky. Now, for the people that don't know what I'm referencing, in an episode of In the Dark, I do a podcast now, but I did a video at the time. At the end of one of the episodes, I stopped everything and told a story straight to the camera to Josh right. about these alien beings coming out of the woods and terrorizing this family, even like crawling around on the roof. Now, for those of you also who don't know, like if you're new to the show, first of all, thanks for giving us a chance here. But second of all, I hate aliens. Okay, I, It's not that I necessarily hate them. It's just they scare me a lot. Because, yeah, anyway, continue. Just continue so on. So this this one took place in Kentucky, and they actually call them goblins in the story because they sort of resemble goblins. But once I read off the, uh, the eyewitness accounts, yeah. you'll probably come to the same conclusion that I am. They're a lot like aliens. Okay. So uh, let me find... I mean, I just, didn't prepare this one, but I'm trying to find the actual... Well, just like you saying goblins is, is scary enough, okay? Because I'm thinking like the Harry Potter goblins right now, which are fucking terrifying. Okay, so this was actually called the Hopkinsville... Uh, MUFON calls it the uh, Kelly Hops, Hopkinsville... Sorry. The Kelly Hopkinsville incident. Okay. So, it was a hot late evening in <laughs> August 21st of 1955. At their rural farmstead, the Sutton family members were visiting with their guests from Pennsylvania, the Taylors. The sky was just beginning to darken when Billy Ray Taylor walked outside for a cool drink from the well. They were drinking from a well in 1955, but anyways... <laughs> He noticed something odd in the sky, shooting out flames of all colors. Then it appeared to stop and quickly descend into the ravine a few hundred yards behind the house. Billy ran back inside to report that he had what he had seen, but no one else took seriously enough to investigate. About an hour later, the dog began to bark excitedly. Billy Ray and Elmer walked outside to see why their canine was causing a ruckus. About this time, the dog crawled under the house where it remained the rest of the night. Taylor and Sutton saw a glowing figure coming toward them from the trees. It appeared to be male, about three or four feet tall, with metallic-looking skin. It was humanoid, 
and very slender with thin appendages. Dude. It had claws for hands, a large bald head with bat-like ears, and a long no. slit for a mouth. No! The entire creature was glowing, including its eyes. The skinny arms were raised in the air. The creature's legs appeared to have wasted into uselessness, and it moved in a floating manner, manner using its arms as ballasts. Oh, my God. As the beast came near to the porch, the men became frightened and grabbed their rifles. No shit. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> they later agreed that they had shot the creature numerous times. It just somersaulted backwards and floated off into the woods. The boys then shot another creature on the porch roof as it was reaching for Taylor's hair. Oh, no. As it fell, it seemed to float to the ground. Another goblin was at the side window, another in the tree. For hours, the humanoids kept appearing and the men kept shooting. One of the adults at the farmhouse, Mrs. Langford, asked what the men asked that the men stop shooting as the creatures hadn't hurt, it, hurt anyone and the children were hysterical. The men disagreed, feeling that the creatures seemed to be purposefully attempting to scare the bejesus out of them. That's what it says here. <laughs> the bejesus. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, worried for the children, the families loaded them into their cars and got out of there. They headed to Hopkinsville for help and arrived close to midnight. Upon their arrival at the police station, it was obvious to the police chief that they were terrified of some, something. They all told the same story, and it was corroborated by a state trooper saying he saw the unusual meteors flying overhead. Oh, wow. Damn, man. Ugh. They found they found the bullet holes, and there was a gr weird green light in the woods with no apparent source they couldn't find. The police found this. They even saw an unexplainable greenish tinge on the fence where one of the goblins had been shot. They didn't take samples of it. Okay. So after, so this keeps going actually, after the investigators and the media left, the family again settled in trying to get some sleep. Immediately the goblins were back, peeking in at them through windows. Finally around dawn, the creatures had disappeared. Screw that. No. So that sounds almost exactly you know, like the story out of California I told you. Yes, it does. It's very, very similar. Um, down to, you know, them kind of just hiding out in the house and, the you know, the, the people taking shots at it and things of that nature. I mean, it's very, very similar. That, that's scary shit. I can't, I can't even wrap my head around that like being in that situation i would completely lose my mind probably i would probably lose my shit if i did that if i saw that i don't know well yeah i mean the the only protection they had which is good protection against normal things is like sure. shotguns and rifles and but they were ineffective to these things so what are you gonna do i don't know get a bigger gun i mean they <laughs> According to this story, they didn't actually come into the house. But, I mean, what's going to stop them from coming into the house? Nothing. Nothing. Either that or they were just that, really trying down to yeah. go to bed tonight. I can't wait. I can't wait to go to sleep here in the next hour. As we record this, it's like 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, usually my Betty buy is about 11 or 12 or whenever. But, yeah. Damn you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love doing that to people. So honestly, though, like your your final thoughts, I mean, we we all know that, you know, there are creatures out there that we are discovering daily, new species of, of whatever, and we're constantly finding these things now. So it's really not that far fetched to think that some of these creatures could possibly exist. But in your honest opinion, like how... I don't know. Like, how likely is it that some of these creatures exist? I will we'll close out my thoughts on this 
with the same way that I did for my radio listeners here in town on the Bigfoot stories. Sure. I think it's quite egotistical of people to think that they know what is all out there. Oh, absolutely. Humans as a whole think that they're in control. They think that they know everything. And they think that anything that doesn't fit into their world is not real. Well, and honestly, you know, going with that same point, you know, up till how many years ago were we literally thinking that we were the center of the universe? I mean, it wasn't too long ago. It's absolutely crazy shit to think about, but you're absolutely right. It's very egotistical to think that. So, but that's also what we do best. It's a survival <laughs> instinct as well. You know, I can't fault too many people for that because you don't want to think about the scary stuff. So, I get it. Yeah. I I don't want to think about like, you know, Sasquatch or anything like that. I don't want to think about your fucking alien goblins. I damn sure I'm not going to think about that. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to go watch like an hour of cartoons now before I go to bed. I'm going to have to sneak up to your house. Don't. You're only like two and a half hours away. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And like get little puppets and oh, hit the windows. God. You and Hopkins get together. Get your three-titted freaking alien doll. <laughs> Come knock on my window it's with it. Oh, here. Um, before we get off that topic, let me look at it real quick because there was a description on there that was quite funny about the doll. And yeah, it was okay. actually because it showed the box on there, <laughs> and uh, let me see if I can find it here. Oh yeah, so it was the Area Fifty One love doll. God. The aliens are coming. <laughs> Three out of this world love holes. Lord. Freaking Lord. <laughs> it's purple. It's purple to boot. How about that? It is purple. <laughs> oh so, um, uh, if you see Connor sneaking off, maybe he went and bought one. I know he's not there anymore. But... No, he went back. He went back to California to, like, be with his family or whatever. So. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, on that happy little note, I am going to uh, I'm going to wrap this show up, and uh, I hope you guys have a great freaking weekend. And thank you so much for uh, for joining us this week. And we will talk to you all very very soon. Everybody, peace out.